Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, the clap trap. Greg and Eric are bandmates. Greg, the complainant, says that it's distasteful while in their band, in a performance, to ask the audience to clap along with a song. Eric says that it's perfectly normal. It's a fun way to make the audience part of the music-making process. Who is right and who is wrong? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom. That is a slow clap for the first ever complainant and defendant to come together to buzz market their band on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. In my eyes, you're already both guilty, but I will hear your dispute. Swear him in, Jesse. I just wanted to mention, John, I did get a nice email yesterday from Tim Harrington of Les Savvy Fav. Apparently, they've got a dispute they've been talking a lot about on the road. Oh, the Les Savvy Fav, they're terrific. Yeah, what's, unlike these guys. What, what's their website again? <laughs> I believe it's uh, www.canadianpizzaandgarbage.com. All right, I'll check it out. Now swear I'm in, Jesse. Please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whatever? I do. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that he has not clapped since he turned in the practice in favor of snapping in 1954? I do. I do. Very well. Judge Hodgman. What's up, you groovy cats? How are you? Hello. Hello. Doing great. So far, so good. So uh, who is the complainant, please? Is it Greg? Yeah, that is correct. And Eric, you are the defendant? I am the defendant. And yet you are both in a, a band together? That's a pretty common situation, I think. That two people are in a band together? <laughs> Spoken with the solipsism of a person in a band. <laughs> Some people, not everybody's in a band together. Some people are married. Some people are just right. riding the bus together. Some people don't even know each other. But you two are in a band. Let's get the buzz marketing out of the way so that we can focus on the dispute. The name of the band is? It's the Capitalist Youth. The Capitalist Youth. And there, your music can be found? Uh, at thecapitalistyouth.com. Okay. And uh, let's take a listen to one of your songs here. This was some evidence that you sent in. It is uh, described by Greg as a so-so video of the capitalist youth performing a song. Oh, oh what's that hard percussive sound in there? That one, two, three, one, two, three. What is that? Blocks of wood? It's multiple layers of people clapping their hands together. All right. This is the subject of the dispute now, right? The clapping. Greg, what's the yeah. problem? Okay, so um, Eric and I have known each other since seventh grade. We've been in a bunch of bands together. Three Name them all right now. <laughs> uh, Blue Shoes, Ex Nihilo, Concept Car. Uh, I Concept say Car. Yeah. yeah, I think you nailed it, yeah. That's it? Blue Shoes. Yeah, that's it. Yes. Ex Nihilo. Yes. Terrible. Concept Car. Yep. Gimmicky. Now the Capitalist mm -hmm. Youth. Mm -hmm. All right, it's a little better. Okay, you guys have been playing in bands for a long time. Yes. And so with this most recent uh, band, we were preparing for a show. And uh, a lot of our songs involve that clapping where it's, you know, a bunch of the band members all clapping together. Okay. And uh, so for the one song, we, we didn't have enough people. So there was one person, just literally one person clapping and didn't have that 
full sound that we were looking for. So wait a minute, what, what instrument do you play, Greg? Uh, I play guitar mostly. What instrument do you play, Eric? I play bass and banjo in the band. How can you guys be in the band together? One of you has a great Skype connection. One of you has a terrible Skype connection. You're also in different states, I think, right? Yes, it's true. Greg, you're in Philadelphia, and Eric, you're in Tennessee. That's right. right. I uh, recently moved here. Oh, okay. So the band is split up now. Has this been settled? We've lived in uh, separate cities. Uh, we, we lived in. There were people living in probably three or four different cities when we were working on the album together, and. Um, when we were playing shows together, there were people living in at least three different cities. So we've uh, we've dealt with the long-distance band relationship before. And the problem isn't, if I understand it correctly, Greg, the issue that sometimes you have uh, you have hired a clapping section to join you <laughs> on the many rhythmic clapping moments you have in your band. But there is sometimes clapping from the audience, which you despise. Is that correct? Uh, that is not quite correct. All right. Uh, you, you, you correct me then. All right, so so my issue is when my issue is with the requesting the audience to clap or sing or anything like that. Um, I, I'm fine if they want to do it. Uh, you know, if they just want to join in spontaneously, that's one thing. But I, I have an issue with asking the audience to clap along or sing or you know. And this happens a lot. I would imagine it does if all of your songs have clapping in them. <laughs> I also am the lead singer, so I think because of my... Oh, really? Are you the lead singer? It's funny, I couldn't tell by the amount you were talking and interrupting your friend. Eric? <laughs> Eric? Yes. Yeah. The classic timid, tinny whine of the bass player from Tennessee. <laughs> I'm just going to let well, you speak for a second. When you guys right. were playing shows, and presumably if the band continues to play shows together, are you encouraging people to clap in the audience? Well, I've suggested it. Um... I mean, I always defer to our uh, our great band leaders' um, decisions, of course. But um, you know, band practices can get somewhat um, well; they can get pretty uh, pretty angry, I'd say. Um, you know, I, I during this one recent preparation for a show, I was I was highly in favor of just throwing a little thing out there to the audience, saying, "Hey, if you feel like it, feel free to clap along." I mean, it's a simple enough clapping part. It was just clap on two and four. And um, I feel like it would have really uh, both benefited the arrangement uh, of the song and been a way for the audience to uh, engage more Ooh, with. You just suddenly gained a lot of either self-confidence or a better Skype line. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, uh, I think I moved the microphone closer to my mouth. Oh, well, let's keep, let's keep doing that because you know what? Even though you're right. a bass player, you deserve to have a say every now and then. Was the song that I played the one that caused the problem? I, I don't believe it was. I believe it was another song called Arcade. All right. Is this or, the uh, other? No, sorry. Uh, Greg. Oh, uh, 12 Step. That's you know what? Maybe maybe we need the band leader now. Band leader, Greg. <laughs> Your Honor, I do want to say I think Eric may be um, trying to garner sympathy by having a, a poor uh, Skype connection. You know, I feel no sympathy for anyone who has a poor Skype connection because oh, well, I think I, because they're ruining my never. podcast. So you don't need to worry <laughs> okay, that I'm that I'm going to feel Eric, bad. I feel bad for him because he's a bass player, and he's I, and I he's clear never. and he's clearly he's clearly ground into the dirt by you again and again since seventh grade. But uh, I have no sympathy for his Skype connection. Don't well, worry well, that about that. True, but uh, I, I would never try such a. Uh, a cold and callous technique well I, all right but uh, let me ask you this let me ask you this order i'll have <laughs> you say you wouldn't try that manipulative technique eric but at the same time you said 
During rehearsal, things can get pretty heated as we discuss the hand clapping. Is that true or is that an exaggeration for podcasting purposes? That is actually true. Is that true, uh, Greg? Yeah, I don't know about angry, but it, it, I mean, it could be tense. Did who? Tense and heated, yeah. Ten, did, who raised his or her voice? I, I probably did first. So your point, so let me do my imitation of you in band practice. Greg, why can't they clap along? For God's sake, Greg. Is that more or less what it's like? That's an uncanny imitation of me. Greg, why can't they clap along? There's a few points here. I, I mean, I, I think it's... There aren't that many points. Answer yeah, my well, question. Oh, jeez. Jesse, okay. Jesse, Jesse, hang on, hang on, both of you guys. Yes, sir. Remember when we had the two brothers who were in the Jeff Lewis band? Yeah, Jeff Lewis and his brother. Yeah, only one of them was Jeff Lewis. Oh, Jeffrey Lewis. Yeah, he's great. Okay, this is why. Do <laughs> 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 you remember how those guys would never let me talk and they just yelled at each other the entire time? Yeah, it's it like, like a it's like dudes. Intra band conference. Yeah, it's like dudes in bands think that they are in the spotlight the whole time. Well, guess what, rockers? You're not on stage right now. Stop interrupting me with your funny jokes. They get confused when somebody puts a microphone. And you're, yeah, I know. They think they think it's all stage banter. Well, no, I'm not doing a jazz odyssey of your stage banter. This is a courtroom that I made up in my mind. Yes, Your Honor. Greg, what's the problem with people clapping? Or more importantly, what's the problem with Eric asking people to clap during your live performances? It is uncool, and it is an imposition on the listener. It's more of a marketing strategy than a uh, genuine audience interaction. I don't think it's much of a marketing strategy. Well, let me let me explain. I mean, all right, all right, everybody, everyone here at Arista Records, uh, I, you've heard our sound. You probably wonder how we're going to get through to the people. <laughs> uh, well, we have a Twitter and we have a Facebook and a bunch of followers, and uh, we have this thing that we're going to do. It's going to totally revolutionize live performance. It's called getting people to clap along with our songs. Now, I know that kids musicians have been doing this for years, but we're going to be the first nerdy, can't-shut-up independent rock band to do it. Is that the marketing strategy, Eric? Well, I mean, I guess so. Uh, that's not how I see it. It's uncool? Yeah. How would you describe your music? I would say garage folk. Garage folk? Cool. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's much more concise than our last one. Stop. Stop it, guys. Stop needling <laughs> each other. Is it that dudes and bands aren't able to connect to each other via Skype, so they have to use me to yell at each other? No, this, I mean, this is an ongoing thing that, you know, since that's, that's the only reason I mentioned that Eric and I have been in bands together, because it's, uh, it's right. a general uh, difference between our, our approaches. So I was hoping to get an authoritative take on, on uh, what is appropriate. So you're, you're like a cool garage folk star who wants to keep it cool, and Eric is like a pandering kids musician? Is that the problem? <laughs> He, he talks about connecting with the audience and, you know, and, uh, stage presence and stuff like that as like a as a business plan, you know, like, oh, we need to have a really great live show because that will help us become successful. And we need to. So it, it seems like there's kind of an ulterior motive. And when you're in a bar or or wherever you're playing and you're like, hey, guys, we need you to clap along on this next song. You're making the assumption that everybody there is. Number one, they're to listen to you, and number two, that they—that's how they want to enjoy the music, which I, I, you know, that's not how I would. You don't want them to clap at all. 
No, no, I'm saying if I'm like, if we were to take Kant's categorical imperative, if I was attending a performance, I wouldn't. You're really gonna, I, you're I really gonna whip out categorical imperative on me? Yeah, I like it. I'll see where you're going with this. I, I, I couldn't will that every band in the world, when I go to see them perform, is gonna ask me to clap or sing along or you know, do hand motions or something. I, I, that's not what I want to do when I go to see a, a band. So that's not something that I feel comfortable doing myself. So do you feel that it makes the audience feel awkward if they are asked to clap along? Uh, I mean, probably not all of them, but some of them. Right. And Eric, are you asking people to do hand motions during the song? <laughs> Let the record show that I've never once asked anyone to do hand motions for anything. Eric, is this I, is this a mar- you know what I made fun of Greg for calling this a marketing maneuver, but now he's given me some specifics that suggest that maybe you do think that uh, asking people to clap along is part of some weird social networking scheme that you read about in a paperback in a business section of Barnes Noble. I I don't see it as uh, you know a callous marketing strategy. I see it as a a way to increase the the value and the enjoyment and the experience of seeing a band live. Um, I'm not doing that with the intent of, you know, selling more records or uh, catapulting the capitalist youth to stardom. Um, I, I'm just doing it because because I think it's better that way. So, but, you know, you're, you're dealing in a world that is not sort of like heavy metal, hard rock, uh, right. or, right, you're dealing with a kind of down with the people folk instrumentation and you got a banjo in your band so you're so you're already you're already grooving towards the sort of weird we don't talk about freak folk anymore but you know that folk that folky earthiness Mm -hmm. right yeah yeah and in those sorts of situations wouldn't clapping and hooting and hollering and uh and square dancing and stomp dancing (laughs) all be a part (laughs) of the total experience yeah all right i would say so right i think that's but that's my issue is that i don't you just you know, don't want to. You just don't want to have to beg for it. Well, not beg. I don't want to demand it. Uh, Eric, do you have any precedent that you'd like to cite for people asking audience members to clap their hands in bands that are not either for children or on a cruise? Uh, teaching people parts more intricate than a simple clap on two and four, um, and that would be Ben Folds of Ben Folds Five. Is this a secret buzz market for Ben Folds now? <laughs> also, check him out on the sing-off. Uh, yeah. Thursdays are- Why don't you just describe to me what he does that is your evidence? So what he does is he'll actually teach the audience. He'll break the audience up into three different sections. And he'll say, people on the left, you're learning this part. People in the middle, you sing this part. People on the right, you sing this part. And he'll teach them either an intricate horn part or a background harmony. And... Uh, the crowd gets into it and they sing along and everybody has a good time. And you enjoy that? I do enjoy that. Are you are you instructing people to clap in different tones or in different rhythms from different parts of the uh, audience? No, no, no. In fact, the uh, the <laughs> song which we debated about was even simpler than that. Um, like I said, it was a simple clap on two and four. Yeah, two and four. I get it. Two and four, simple as that. You didn't have to ask me, but then I'm a clapper by nature. There you go. I'm terrible at it, though. So what would be justice for you, Greg? Me banning Eric from ever saying clap along? 
Yeah, I would like an injunction against Eric soliciting audience participation when we perform together. Of any kind? Yeah. As band leader, you would like me to uh, prohibit your bassist slash banjo player from encouraging the audience to participate in any way and to not (laughs) look at them and to get as far back to the back of the stage as possible and maybe play with his back to the audience? Would that be appropriate? Maybe he could play under a carpet. Or in another room. Uh, yeah, I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, good. You could be like behind like a drape or something. Okay. What would be your imitation of how Eric has done it in the past? Okay, he'd be like this. Hey, guys, we need your help on this next song. If you could clap along like this. And then he would do something and that would be it. Okay. I object. Eric, I'd like that to. Was a- how would you? How would? All right, that's fine. Everyone gets their day in court here. Uh, it sounded pretty. Pretty good imitation to me. I mean, he certainly made his voice re- reedy and tinny and unlistenable. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but how would you how would you do it? Uh, here's here's one example of how I might ask the audience to participate. So on this next song, we have a clapping part, which is kind of integral to the song. If you feel like clapping along, go ahead. Uh, Kelly will be clapping to indicate how you should also clap. Uh, you know, sort of. Petered off at the end there. Mm-hmm. I, I would probably be more confident on stage. What is this, a concert or a board meeting? <laughs> I believe, yeah, or an AA meeting. Uh, <laughs> how would you introduce it on stage? Uh, next song, uh, it's a song. F- fuck it, I don't care. <laughs> I'd be like it, I don't care if you don't, I'm playing it for me in your living room. Is that how you do it, or how would you do it? I would say, thank you. This next song is called 12 Step. All right, I think I have everything I need to know to make my decision. I'll be in chambers. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Greg, is your beef with anything that might encourage people to enjoy your music? No, no, not at all. Let's talk about where you would draw the line. Should people sing and dance? Sure. Is all rap and gospel music invalid as artistic (laughs) expression? No, not at all. I'll tell you a story. My friend Nathaniel... He's played in many bands, and we were roommates in college, and I took him to his first rap concert. As I recall, it was Talib Kweli and De La Soul in a bar, more accurately, a nightclub. And when we came home, I asked him, how did you like your first rap concert? And he said to me, oh, I really liked it. Uh, My favorite part was when they told me to do a thing, and then I did it. Eric, do you think that your friend Greg is projecting his own discomfort onto the audience? I think he is. I think he's overly concerned with uh, the appearance of being genuine. Does he hate fun? Uh, he doesn't hate all fun, but he hates uh, a lot of fun. Broad swaths of fun. <laughs> Broad swaths of fun. <laughs> Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. My general feeling tends to lie with Eric in the sense that I think I overhear Jesse Thorne making the same points, which is that participation in music is one of the things that gives music uh, joy and conjures joy in a room. And I think that singing along is something that uh, is a beautiful thing to happen in the lives of both musicians and people watching music. And it's something we've been so conditioned against because we feel that it's corny, that it requires a musician on stage to instruct us how to do it. And when it happens, it happens wonderfully. That's it. 
you don't want a sing-along of every song. And there is also a long tradition of rock and roll music of not just not clapping and not just not singing, but also hyper-serious dudes with esoteric t-shirts on and long stringy hair sitting in the back of the club, not saying anything and staring at their shoes. That is their form of appreciation. I think part of the issue here is that Greg and Eric disagree on the kind of band they're in. Sure, you might say garage folk, and of course everyone in America knows what that means, but what does it really mean? Are you making music for people to enjoy and tap their toes to and sing along to and clap to and everything else, as as the presence of a banjo in your band might suggest? Or are you making music for rock snobs to appreciate without saying a word? I don't think that you are completely opposed, but I think Greg is certainly more in the My Music is Pure camp. Greg is under the impression that any such pandering, I guess, to audiences having a good time might somehow cheapen the, uh, the, the garage folk music that they're making. He's too cool for school. He's too cool for garage folk music. So you will be surprised to learn that I find in the favor of the complainant, Greg. And, here's, <laughs> and here is why. On principle, my sympathy lies with the banjo player in almost every circumstance over the lead singer of anything. But Eric called in with a terrible Skype line and therefore he loses. No, no, oh, no, <laughs> I am not that. I am not that corrupt yet. Unfortunately, Eric, there is another factor at work here, which is the method by which you encourage people to participate. So for example, you give the example of Ben Folds. It is part of his act on one song to teach people complicated horn parts that would otherwise, if he's playing solo and he doesn't have a horn section, he gets the audience to fill in. There is a empty space that the audience that exists in the song, that the audience is filling through instruction. And that instruction creates a bond between him and the audience. And it is unusual and not something that you've seen before. A band inviting the audience to clap along is Unfortunately, something we've seen so often that it is indeed a cliche. If you want people to clap along, there are ways to do it that are not a cliche, but the onus is on you to not become a cliched bar band or cruise band or bar mitzvah band. And in this sense, I feel that Greg uh, is exactly as cool as garage folk needs to be. Because while I don't agree with him that it is pandering in any way to connect with the audience and that it is somehow cheapens the music to try to actually sell records, I do always rule against cliche. And to say, hey, everybody clap along is unfortunately, uh, I think, a marker of a kind of band that you don't want to be because that kind of band is not successful, at least not in the way I think either of you want to be successful. In the same way you wouldn't want everyone to sing along with every song or clap along with every song, you have to create in your show a moment where clapping along becomes clearly the thing to do. And I don't think you have any better example than you already have, which is put your wife on stage to clap along. The people who want to clap along will. Because frankly, there is nothing worse. There is only one thing worse, I think, than to... Uh, 
cheesily instruct people to clap along to a song that will instantly be apparent that they should be clapping along to, even if you hadn't given the instruction, then people clapping along out of uh, uh, duress. And then that sad sort of like dying clap as people finally give up with it. <laughs> Eric, I think yes, the on. thing that unfortunately sealed your fate in this case was your audition for how you would introduce the clapping. You uh, did not do it. Look, I... I I have to be completely candid with you because I want you guys to succeed. That didn't sound good. It didn't sound like a band <laughs> that I want to see. I understand. I'm not saying that Greg is, with his introduction, is some genius at uh, stage banter. Uh, but at least it was acceptable. What you were doing was, I think, unfortunately, kind of... Look, I have kids in who go to grade school. And it felt a little bit like grade school concert to me. Ouch. Uh, I'm sorry. Look, call me, call me the Simon Cowell of my own podcast. <laughs> but I must call them as I see them. Is it too late to make a Simon Cowell reference? It kind of is, isn't it? I got to come up with something new. Uh, so I think, and, and unfortunately, while engaging with the audience, Greg, and you should listen to this, is an important piece of showpersonship that any successful performer should figure out a way to do that is unique and interesting and most of all fun and engaging and appropriate to the music. Doing it just for the sake of doing it in a cliched way is unfortunately going to mark your band in a a bad light and you don't want that to happen. And I don't want it to happen either because I feel offended that you are using this ginned up uh, non-argument to uh, buzz market your band on my podcast, but I do find something interesting about what you're discussing and I do think your music is pretty good. So, I find in the favor of the complainant, Greg, I uh, enjoin that uh, Eric no longer ask people to clap uh, at songs. And uh, I don't want to prohibit you from talking on stage completely. I'm certainly not going to put you under a, under a rug. But that, Greg, your onus for having uh, won this argument is that you need to incorporate some measure of audience participation in a way that suits your band and suits your showmanship. And I think that you should try to find a way to do it. Maybe ask people to whistle along. I've done it and it's awesome. Be creative with it, but do not be afraid of, of the audience loving you and wanting to be a part of what you're doing because that truly will make you a successful band. This is the sound of a gravel. <laughs> Judge John Hodgman rules, that is all. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Eric, you've been issued a stunning rebuke. Do you think it was maybe in part because of your lackluster performance when trying to demonstrate how one would ask (laughs) the audience to clap along with the song? I I think it clearly was. That was was stated in the judgment. But to be honest, I'm actually quite happy with this ruling because – in the first place, all I really wanted to do was to encourage Greg to reach out to the audience in his own way. And, you know, all I could find uh, was a suggestion to ask them to clap on a song that needed clapping. And now it's Greg's responsibility to find his own creative way to engage the audience. So Wait a minute there, Banjo. <laughs> Wait a minute. I am prohibiting you from asking the audience to clap. I am encouraging, oh, yes. I am encouraging Greg 
to take what are clearly his already superior show personship instincts <laughs> and try to find a way to open it up to the audience. I am not ordering him to do anything. Fair enough. I'm sorry. It pains me to beat up on a banjo player. I think you guys should win. <laughs> but I don't mind beating up on a bass player, and your Skype line is terrible. Back to Chambers. Greg, how are you feeling? Uh, well, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Obviously, this is a, a bit of a mixed victory since uh, Judge Hodgman feels that I was taking the wrong approach to audience interaction. You sound excited about the possibility with con- of connecting with your audience. <laughs> Well, I mean, there is always hand motions, I guess. Well, I guess it's off the chambers for us. Good luck, boys. You're destined for superstardom. Yeah. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. And I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. Every week on our show, Jordan Jesse Go, I would say that we share a little slice of our hearts. Yeah. And a little peek at our dicks. <laughs> but every week we have a podcast where we have fun and funny conversations with guests from the worlds of comedy, film, television. It's all online at MaximumFun.org or just search for Jordan Jesse Go in iTunes. Ah, it's nice to be back here in Chambers. I got a little heated. No, this is for you, Jesse. Good job. Good job to us all. Uh, yeah, no, I was just, just back here snapping my fingers and tapping my toes and getting ready to sing along to some docket clearing. Are you concerned that you're just pandering to our audience by trying to engage them? Well, well come on, everybody. Clap along to the docket clearing. Uh, here's our first question. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I'm not going to stop. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait. Before we get to the first question, we have congratulations for Mike, uh, who won the game of Beard Chicken. Oh, that's right. Uh, Mike Builder, who I pronounced the winner of Beard Chicken. Uh, he sent you a photograph of himself at his Thanksgiving table uh, with the beard. He says, it's been quite a journey. And just this past week, one of the kids in the group I volunteer with said that I look like Brad Pitt. Oh, so those of you who don't remember, it was a, a, a game of beard chicken between three dudes in college, the only people who would play this game. Sure. And they, in which they were, uh, they were going to go without shaving for a certain period of time. And due to a technicality, uh, Mike was, uh, Mike's winning was under dispute. And I pronounced him the winner of beard chicken. But by that time, he had shaved, which was part of the technicality. So I said, in order to maintain the title, he was now have to he would now have to grow a full beard. And if he took a picture of himself wearing this beard at his Thanksgiving table with his family, I would give him a signed copy of my book, That Is All. And that is what I am doing right now, signing it for him and saying, well done, Mike Builder. Uh, here's a question from Carly. She says she and her housemate, Lauren, disagree about the proper use of the term track pant. She says, on my rare days off from running a growing yoga studio, yeah, brag much? I occasionally hang around the house in my cozy cotton pants with elastics on both ankles and around the waist. I refer to these as track pants. 
Lauren asserts that the term track pants should only be given to tearaway style pants, specifically those with stripes down the leg, and that I am wearing sweat pants. When asked if she reserved this term for Adidas pants only, according to her stripe description, she clarifies that track pants do not have to be Adidas brand but should almost certainly have stripes. Uh, yeah, well, you're asking the right person. I am extremely athletic. As you know, <laughs> I, I, I run my own Bikram Pilates pit, and uh, I am I'm often... I'm a flogger there on the weekends. Yeah, and I, and I well, I certainly am often wearing stretchy clothing um, in order to highlight my incredible uh, physique. And so I will say uh, what Lauren describes to my mind, cotton pants with elastics on both ankles and around the waist are sweat pants. Track pants, I think, are something you would wear uh, before going to work out at the track. Whether they're breakaway or whether you take them off, I think stripes really do make the track pants. Probably sweatpants uh, were an early form of track pants, but at this point sweatpants are so universally used by non-track and field athletes that is to say, obese people on airplanes, uh, me when I'm feeling lazy, you when you're not running your yoga studio, they're more leisure wear. I think we now call those sweatpants, even though, frankly, you don't do a lot of sweating in them. This one isn't technically something that someone wrote in, but um, I'm going to put it in the form of a letter. Dear Judge John Hodgman, I'm an audience member who hasn't even bothered to visit maxfunstore.com to take a look at the amazing John Hodgman posters and prints available there. What? Sincerely, a listener. Projected. They haven't even bothered to go over to Topatoco? Yeah, they haven't. Some of these people, not only have they not bought a t shirt, they haven't even gone to MaxFunStore.com to look at the t shirt to see the transformation. MaxFunStore.com is really one of the first places you should go while planning uh, your holiday consumer season uh, shopping list. And uh, not only are there tons of amazing products there that you would be proud uh, to wear uh, and or use, uh, there's also a brand new product which uh, Jesse refers to, which is uh, both the the poster that was designed by the amazing uh, Chicago graphic designer Tom DJ of Bossman Graphics uh, and the resulting T-shirt uh, that shows me going through my transformation from a uh, bespectacled uh, Tweety nerd to a uh, uh, degenerate-looking, deranged millionaire, mustachioed, sunglassed nerd. Uh, and uh, Tom is an amazing artist, and I would not have uh, put forward any merchandise unless I was so thrilled by what he had done. And, and as, as much to honor him uh, as to honor Max Fun or Judge Sean Hodgman, I hope you'll go take a look and look at all the great products there. They really are fantastic. And they make, actually, actually, they make the best Christmas cards. Listen up, goofus. You got 50 bucks from your gamma. Go to maxfunstore.com. He's the bad bailiff. I'm the good bailiff. If you like it, take a look. Let if me... you don't like it, I'll pound you. Look, I don't know how much longer I can hold bailiff Jesse off. You really ought to go buy something just for your own good. I'm trying. I'm looking out for you here, man. So, Judge Hodgman, do you remember last year around the holidays when um, we had a case where a paterfamilias wanted to have a very particular and unusual celebration of uh, the birth of Jesus Christ? 
I do remember. It's in fact the one memory that I keep from last year. <laughs> <laughs> I otherwise threw out all the memories of the year, as I do every New Year's Eve. But this one, uh, I decided to keep around with me because, if I remember correctly, uh, Jason from Huntsville, Alabama, uh, wanted to forbid his uh, family from decorating the Christmas tree before December 24th because of some weird marginal Catholic theology he had dug up in a book under his bed. And uh, if I remember correctly, I prohibited him from doing it, uh, and I allowed his wife to decorate the Christmas tree, but I offered him the option that if he wanted a joyless Christmas season in which to contemplate apocalypse, which I think is what he wanted, uh, that he could instead put up an alternate tree, a sadness tree, uh, a dead limb or tree in a depressing mud room or shed. And, uh, and I believe he did. Why do you ask? Oh, I just happened to have called him on Skype a minute ago. Oh, Jason, are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, well, happy sadness season. Uh, uh, ironically, happy sadness season to you. Uh, actually, not the correct use of not a, so, not, I'm, That's ironic. Oh, well, then it is a correct use of button. Wait a minute. It actually is ironic because uh, the audience knew that he was going to say that, and we didn't. There you go. Uh, so how are you, sir? I'm well. How's your sadness season going this year? Uh, it is even sadder than I hoped that it would be. <laughs> it's a sadness miracle. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, I know that you put up a sadness tree last year because you sent me a picture of it. And describe that tree to me. Uh, the, the last year's tree? Okay, it was a limb of indeterminate species... Um, it was very uh, depressing, uh, ghoulish even, I would say. It was um, horrible, and it did the job. And so this year, I wanted to ask, have you put up a sadness tree again? Has this become a tradition in your household? Yes. I'm very glad to hear that. And what do you offer uh, to the, uh, to the uh, careless god of sadness today? Well, um, what is in, in my sadness shed today is actually a friend of mine has a bamboo grove behind his house, and I'd actually come to his house to try to find maybe another tree limb, and I noticed this black shoot of bamboo. It was ominously black. Like demon and, like uh, demon bamboo? I would call it mournful. I mean, it, it, didn't, it wasn't evil. Yeah. It just looked sad. All right. Was it? A, what, did it? Did it stand apart from the other bamboo? Like were all the other bamboo yellow and being munched by pandas? Yeah. And then there was this one lone stalk of ebon bamboo. Yeah, the other bamboo did not let it join in any of their bamboo games. Okay. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so, so I took a hacksaw and uh, ended its life and uh, brought it back to my sadness shed and it is there it is it is there uh, decaying even as I talk to you so how do you how do you observe a sadness tree ritual is that what you call it sadness tree ritual what, no how do you go out you go out there every now and then and, and uh, uh, like for an hour a day and contemplate death or what do you do well I, do, I, I go in there and most of the times I'm going in there for you know to maybe uh, flip a fuse that has you know been triggered when we tried to plug something in or you know like christmas like lights christmas tree lights <laughs> yes. on your actual christmas yes. tree yeah yes and or or just go out to the shed to get something you know shedly and i'll see it there and i'll 
just just look at it and, and I always know it's there like I can feel it uh-huh. out there yeah. uh, but uh, it's, it's what's weird about the thing now is it's kind of turning white as it as it decays and and the leaves they look like they're alive but if you touch them they're all I mean you know as soon as you touch them so I, I find that poignant it's like a it's like a cicada shell yeah oh and it, it is deliciously uh, sad another so your sadness tree is 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 turning from black to white yes as we approach the uh, the the birth of Christ so it's, I think it's appropriate and did and and was I more or less correct on your theological Reasoning when you you wanted to prohibit your family. Remind me, do you have kids? Yes. How many kids do you have? Uh, two, two, two teenage boys. And you bring them out to the sadness tree and show them what your father is, what their father they, has done. They they know it's there. Uh, I'm I'm leaving that up to them as whether or not they choose to go visit it or not go visit it. Um, that's that's very religiously tolerant of you. <laughs> so. So maybe maybe they'll find sadness in their life. Maybe they won't. Not everyone gets the call. But but, but, but was my was my reasoning more or less accurate that uh, theologically you wanted to prohibit your family from enjoying Christmas because that wouldn't be because it's 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 a time to have quiet contemplation about the birth of Christ and the forthcoming end of the world. Wasn't that something <laughs> Revelation well, figured into it? Can you just remind yeah. me? Yeah, you're close because the season of Advent, uh, you know, we had the readings and uh, have to do with the first Advent of Christ and the second coming and the end of the world. I mean, it's all that stuff about, you know, things being thrown into ovens and, you know, sheep and goats being separated out. Let me and, let me stop you there and yeah. give you another chance to explain yourself without sounding like a madman on a street corner. I gotta put this sign down. Hold on. Try using, <laughs> try using simple declarative sentences. Can you? Can, can I? Can, can you, I still wear? Can I ask that you put the sandwich board back on, or just put clothes on, one or uh, the other? I, I, I'll put on sackcloth. In in two or three simple sentences, explain. What, I'm sorry. What it was you were trying to yes. convey when you wanted to. to when I forbade family. happiness. When you forbade happiness in in your Christmas home. Because you weren't yes, against um, you weren't against having a tree. No, you weren't against just, the, the the druidic practice of a pagan <laughs> ritual in your home. You just didn't want it to be all gussied up. Well, I, I just wanted I didn't want. Here's the thing: because in our society, Advent just kind of it doesn't exist. Like it, it after Halloween, it becomes Christmas, and then it's just Christmas up until Christmas Day, and then everybody just kind of puts Christmas away. And I wanted to to not lose Advent. Which Advent is a more penitential season, more somber season, and at the end you get to pop the cork, as it were, and have Christmas, and then we have it for twelve days after that, you know. So. And are you celebrating the twelve-day Christmas? Oh yes. And is there one message of sadness that you'd like to bring to our listeners as we go into year two of Sadness Tree? Well, I would like to bring uh, a, almost a little self-serving message, if I may. Please. That's because what could be more Christmassy? I know. Yeah. Um, uh, if my, first of all, follow me on Facebook. <laughs> no, please, please, please. No, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do any any self buzz marketing right. here. Today. Um, no. Um, if my lovely wife, when, when my lovely wife hears this, or hears this, or if any of my friends hear this, uh, the only thing that could make 
my sadness display complete would be to have a copy of that is all underneath it. Uh, and my birthday, my birthday is Christmas Eve, the day before Christmas. Oh. And, be, and there's still in, in enough time where I could still have one last blast of sadness. So if my lovely wife or someone close to me... Well, wait a minute. Do you, do you not have a copy of That Is All, my book about wealth, wine, sports, and the end of the world? I actually do not yet. Oh. But I was thinking maybe that she would... Uh, maybe this would be an opportunity for me to... Uh, hint around that for her to uh, maybe put that under my tree. Or maybe some sadness season elf will sign a copy of that book and Federal Express it to you in Huntsville, Alabama to whatever local railroad station you use to pick up your mail. <laughs> and then you can put it under your sadness tree and then when Christmas is over it can become your new Bible. It's a sadness well. season miracle, everybody. I'm dreaming of a white piece of bamboo that used to be deathly black, just like the one in Jason's shed. Uh, well, I hope that that satisfies uh, your, your sadness uh, shopping list, and uh, thank you very much for talking to us again. Thank you very much for remembering me in this, this time. Happy birthday and happy sadness. Back at you. Is that for the birthday part? The Judge John Hodgman Podcast is a production of MaximumFun.org. Our special thanks to all of the folks who donate to support this show and all of our shows at MaximumFun.org slash donate. The show is produced by Julia Smith and me, Jesse Thorne, and edited by Matt Gorley. His great podcast, by the way, is called Super Ego. You can find it in iTunes or online at GoSuperEgo.com. You can find John Hodgman online at AreasOfMyExpertise.com. If you have a case for Judge John Hodgman, email us and be sure and include your telephone number. The email address is hodgman at MaximumFun.org. If you have thoughts about the show, you can always comment on it on our message board, forum.MaximumFun.org. We'll see you online and next time right here on the Judge John Hodgman podcast.